start off the episode by apologizing if the sound quality is not the best. Um, we had a little uh, two-city situation where Max was not able to be in Portland, so we had to work through um, Skype, which, you know, we're new, we're novices, so we did the best we could, but um, our next episode, the sound quality will be much improved. Thanks for bearing with us. Bye. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Who All Gonna Be There, a podcast by artists for artists. We talk cash shit about everything. Sometimes we get selectively messy because we got to keep our jobs. And it all counts as art because we say so. I am Mel, and I have about 50, 11 jobs right now. Some of them include being a graphic novelist, a curator. Um, I am a teacher and I run a youth program. And now I do a little extra something that I can't really talk about on here for reasons. Um, but I'm, I'm not like pushing that weight if that's what you're thinking. Okay, thank you for that cryptic update. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name's Max, Maximiliano. Um, I am the other half of Nat Turner Project. Um, performance artist, video, poetry, um, or at least I claim those things. Um, I am in between a lot of things right now. I am in a transitory transitory space i'm a tom hanks in that one movie where he's in an airport for a long time terminal um, yeah i'm <laughs> i'm terminal but not about to die okay, okay. thank you for clarifying <laughs> um okay and if you appreciate the things we do on this podcast if you appreciate um 
the curations we do, the the ways we go out and like hang out with artists and support artists. Um, you can support Nat Turner Project. We have a Patreon page um, where you can sign up and be a Patreon. You'll get exclusive podcast episodes um, as well as like totes, um, buttons, pins, um, zines, letters. Um, we have different like tiers. Um, we have an Etsy store. Yes, Nat Turner Project is on Etsy. Um, check us out, buy our merch. Um, you can find us on iTunes. Um, leave a review, hopefully a good one, but whatever. Um, you can follow us on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Facebook, and Instagram at Nat Turner Project, um, or the pot name of the podcast, which is who all going to be there. Um, you send us an email, email us about our podcast. Say you want a shout out. I remember listening to these like um, European DJs, like four hour mixes, and you can email them and then they'll say somebody's birthday. Um, so if you want to email us, we'll shout out somebody's birthday on here. Um, and that's, yeah, that's what I'm going to say about that stuff. All right. Did you say our email address? Our email address? <laughs> 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 it was the one thing in blue, so I didn't see it. <laughs> it's uh, natturnerproject0 at gmail.com. That is natturnerproject, one word, at or <laughs> project zero at gmail.com. Um, and Melanie and I both check, personally check the emails. So yeah, be sure to know. add the zero because if you don't, it will go to some miscellaneous white woman. Don't yes. ask me why. There but is a white woman behind project at gmail.com. But that is a podcast for a different day. So tonight, it's just us two chilling. Um, usually, we try to bring in an artist, and we will be bringing in um, a special artist in a couple weeks. But for now, it occurred to us that we're like three episodes in, and y'all don't really know us or who we are. So we're just going to chat with each other, shoot the shit, um, talk about our individual artwork and practices, and talk about some current events that have gone down in popular culture that need to be discussed. Um, so, um, a little bit about Max, Maximiliano. Um, Max was born in 1989. Um, he's a performance and video artist using maroon space societies and our solar system billions of years ago as impetus of a black mythos. Epoch, sampling and rupturing audio and video spatially. Forming black wave aesthetic. Black reclamation rococo. Unmooring, Othelics. Muladidad, ideas of pre-earth blackness. Thank you, Melanie. Um, that was terrific. Melanie Stevens is an artist, illustrator, and writer. She is a creator of the graphic novel series Watershed and is a co-founder and editor of Misanthology, an organization that supports and publishes racially and economically diverse young comic artists who identifies LGBTQIA+, or female. She is a co-curator of Nat Turner Project, a migratory gallery space that grants artists of color the freedom to create or express their own language within and without the parameters 
of racial commodification or designation. She received her Bachelor of Arts degree in political science from Yale University and her Master of Fine Arts degree from for visual studies at Pacific Northwest College of Art, where she currently teaches and runs a bunch of other boss shit. <laughs> Thank you for the ad libs, Max. Yes. <laughs> so I guess we'll just launch right into um, you know, cross examination of each other's work. So okay, I can't wait. Um, <laughs> Melanie Stevens. You, in your bio, you mentioned um, this graphic novel series, Watershed. Um, could you, if I didn't know anything about you or Watershed, could you tell me about it? Sure. Um, so, Watershed began as an, I, well, it began first with me reading Octavia Butler's Kindred. Um which to me is one of the most brilliant fiction um, stories I've ever read. And Octavia Butler um, uses time travel as this literary vehicle to examine American history and the pathology of chattel slavery and what it does to human beings. And that inspired me to think about ways in which I could use time travel in fiction as a device to do the same thing. Um, meanwhile, I was thinking a lot about water um, and the ways that it frames black, black life, um, the movement of people, the sort of inception of the like brutality and the kidnapping, the original theft of a people um, to this land that we now inhabit and the ways that water still frames our life through environmental racism and but also as like a birth a rebirth um, this opportunity for life but also a representation of death and those cycles over and over again and um, so i created this um, story watershed which kind of interweaves um, this allegory of a woman, a black woman drowning in a crowded sea of uh, white onlookers um, with the fictional tale of a young art student that gets um, pulled into this journey between different time periods and is given the opportunity to stop um, certain watershed events um, or ostensibly watershed events, which are juxtapositioned with the Black Lives Matter movement and this uh, potential halting of a dystopian future. So it's a nine part series and I finished the first volume last year. I'm currently working on the second volume. And so far, I've managed to convince people to give me money to make this, which is hilarious. I'm pretty sure the jig will be up by volume three when they realize what this story is really about. But I'm just going to ride this wave, pun intended. So, <laughs> Well, they're going to know from, from listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for that, that uh, 
synopsis, I feel that that really um, informs um, what it's about. And um, so you have one, the first volume already published. You're working on the second one. Yeah. Um, if I wanted to acquire volume one, part one, where would I be able to do that? Um, you can go to blackfempress.com. And volume one is now there for sale. It's $12 plus shipping. Um, it's also available at, if you're, if you live in Portland at your local libraries, um, and at various comic shops, including books with pictures. Um, and on my, um, Etsy page, blackfanpress.com, you can also purchase a preview copy of Watershed Volume 2 in the black. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. I did not know about the preview version. Yep. I'm, I'm doing the comics uh, convention circuit starting Friday, which I'll talk about later. So it's always nice to have something for people to buy, like, and kind of also doubles as like a, like a preview of like this thing is coming up next year. Be on the lookout. So. Okay. Yeah. And that's some good marketing and capitalism and based on <laughs> what we're going to be talking about later i say almost call you a jay-z so good at it. okay that okay see <laughs> that's see that's why you're lucky you're in texas right now because that is unfucking necessary <laughs> um but to, to get back to the important issue at hand um <laughs> try, i think i think like um just potentially for viewers that are unaware or listeners that are unaware what it, what is environmental racism? Um, environmental racism is, uh, I mean, look at you asking the hard hidden questions. I mean, <laughs> environmental racism are um, natural disasters um, that basically exacerbate or make worse um, structural inequities that are pre existing. So that the people who suffer the most are the people who are in the worst position to actually deal with the problems. So like, and I call them unnatural disasters because like one of the things I think about is Katrina, which is like a thing that has happened in multiple cities, right? Including the one that I'm sitting in. Um, also in Texas, right? Yeah, Houston. Yeah. Like, so you have Katrina, you have like the, the, when the levees broke, um, which happened because of just terrible infrastructure and a refusal to like spend the money to do that. And when that happens, like it wasn't Katrina that actually caused the damage. It was the flooding of those areas. And who lived in those areas? Impoverished black people. Which is why there is a complete lack of urgency to deal with these matters. Um, and yeah, that's environmental racism. I think, to me, what is most disheartening and disturbing is that when white liberals talk about climate change, when they talk about all of the things that need to be taken care of, environmental racism is rarely brought into the conversation. And it's very telling. And it kind of turns me off, honestly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the people that are going to, that are the most um, vulnerable to these things are the people that are, um, in some cases, yeah, the, the least 
with the least resources and materials to be able to deal with it. Yeah. Um, black and brown people all over the world are already living in areas yeah. that are being even more affected by climate change than maybe Portland. I mean, obviously this summer wasn't that hot in Portland, but maybe Portland has a hot summer or other places, you know, are having like droughts and floods yeah. already. And it's only going to get worse because like obviously we're not making changes to, to turn the boat around or anything. Right. And as long as these 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 fights are formatted to only benefit the middle class, upper middle class, whatever, it's it's not going to do the thing that people think it's going to do. Until you take care of the people who have the least resources, then like I don't know, it's a it's a canary in a coal mine situation as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, and the canaries. The canaries already dead. Well, damn. Okay. <laughs> I, j- <laughs> I always did feel that you kind of were more, um, more geared towards Afro pessimism than me. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's, it seems like I'm trying to like. I feel like these last few years, um, and getting older has like has like realized that like oh yeah like the world's gonna like crumble but i know it'll be like when i'm like right just right at the old age like it'll be like when i'm 60 and like when it's like really starts getting like crazy bad and uh, then i won't be able to do anything about it because i'll be 60 i won't be able to like fight off a band of like scavengers or like jump across a ravine that was just created from some crazy earthquake you know it's gonna be like all those disaster films we saw but we're already gonna be in our like 60s by the time that happens yeah you think we'll so, be that old? Um, I think, like, think, obviously we're already seeing it, like, you know, yeah. natural disasters, like, refugee situations, like, obviously the Bahamas, like, people from the Bahamas even trying to come to America, the, like, um, like, that's already happening, it'll just be magnified more and more, and it'll start, like, traveling further, like, to more, like, um, refugees are gonna start being from richer countries, you know, it's gonna start being, like, crazier, like, there'll be, like, American refugees, you know? Yeah. I mean, there already are American refugees, but <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other conversation. <sighs> um, then I guess, yeah, to continue exploring Watershed, um, mm-hmm. the, the central character, mm-hmm. a young art student. Yeah. Is there any uh, autobiographical things going on here? I mean, maybe. Um... <laughs> There's, there's a lot of, in the first volume, there's, there's some commentary on the compartmentalization of black artists and this pressure to kind of fit into this narrative that is consumable by white, white audiences. Um, that may or may not be based on some personal experience. I don't know. Who, who can say, really? Fiction is a strange that, thing. Pull that stuff out of the sky. Yeah. Sometimes it just comes to me in a dream, Max, you know. Um, it would be crazy if it was true. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, and uh there there is this attempt to stop this event that is supposedly the beginning of the end. The the murder of a young boy. Um, as he's walking home from a convenience store. So, um, 
so it explores that it explores the possibility of trying to stop um events that are already in motion it explores even like whether um there is a such thing as a watershed event like is there something you can do or to stop like is there one thing or is it a series of things or yeah. is it just or is it something that started so far back that trying to stop this one thing now is inevitable you know yeah so it's been it's an interesting journey it's also really heavy writing so i have to take breaks <laughs> um i'm in the middle of writing watershed 2 and it's been rough like obviously cuz time i don't have much of it but uh like with everything that's going on right now, it just like sometimes you just feel so like too close to things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that'll like slow down the writing. Yeah. Um, do you feel like, yeah, like with everything going on, sometimes you want to start taking it in different directions or you feel like, oh, maybe I should add that or maybe I should go away from that or all of a sudden it's like rang too true. So maybe I should change it a little bit or. Oh, yeah. Like Watershed 2 has now been through six different iterations. <laughs> And it keeps changing. Um, yeah, there are just some things that, like, when I started writing in 20, I want to say 2016, 2017, they just don't feel the same anymore. So it's been a process of, like, taking things out, adding things in, cutting things. Um, like, whole sections had to be cut out because it just didn't feel right anymore. And that's, I mean, that's an issue with writing something that's kind of based on current events, right? Like, our perception of things is always changing. So things I felt one way about two years ago, I I have a little bit more distance and perspective. So it it has a different tone or patina to it now. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. That's awesome. Um, all right, maybe maybe one last watershed question. Um, okay. So you're writing part two, but mm -hmm. it's a nine part series. Do you already have like the overall general story like figured out, or do you, you don't know how it'll end? Um, I have major points, like um, narrative points that I intend to hit. Um. And when I started writing this, I definitely had an ending, but that has even changed now. So okay, okay cool, yeah. And Water I think shit. I think I think also a part of that is like I started writing this when I was in the middle of grad school, and my confidence as an artist, my confidence as a black artist, and what I was capable of getting away with has shifted. So I think it's easier for me now to take more risks um, and to be more honest. So that has definitely changed some things. Yeah, that's exciting. That sounds good. Thanks. So yeah, part one is already out now, available on a variety of um, sites. Um, mm -hmm. Part two, and when is part two coming out? Summer of 2020. Yeah, summer of 2020, part two. Watershed, watershed. Yes. Awesome. And as a, a kind of like a, a project, maybe I don't want to say on the side, but a second uh, project you're also working on, which I personally enjoyed as always. Thought was like fun. Um, are these like mini zines? Oh you, yeah. Uh, 
started working on. Yeah, like like I said, watershed gets pretty heavy emotionally um, and psychologically. So I I've tried to get into the habit of giving myself like fun little projects that I can use to take breaks. And the mini zines have been really cool. Like so, I've decided um, to start doing these mini zines on like black femme entertainers. Um, and I started because I wanted there to be like a mini book about Megan the Stallion because. <laughs> I think she's amazing. (laughs) And I like, I just did it one day and I was like, wow, this is much easier to do than I thought it would be. Cause like I have all these random assortments of like access to like book making zine making materials. I should do this. Um, So then I did one for Nina Simone um, and it was just like a really fun thing. And I think I'm gonna keep going. I think I want to do Missy Elliott next. Oh, Oh yeah. Yeah. And are these zines available for people to um, get? Yes, those are also on blackfempress.com. Okay, oh yeah. And I, I'll, I'll yeah. link that site in the show notes. Okay, cool, yeah. The zines, the zines are very cool. Thanks, um, Max. Yeah. All right, um, let's, uh, let's uh, switch interview chairs here. <laughs> okay, let me get up real quick. Let's uh, watch the cables. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so your bio is very mysterious, Max. It's, yes. It's full of all of these like amazing words, some of which are like um hybrids or combinations of words that I recognize but together they mean like different things. So I guess I, I wanna, what I want to start with is like um, the kinds of performance works that you have done most recently and what those are about. Um, yeah, let me see. I'm trying to think of my most recent performance. Um, I think the most recent thing I did was like a collaboration um, with like Jaleesa um, and Sarah and um, this person named Ashlyn. Um, mm-hmm. So let me go a little further back. Um, I did, I guess, like, yeah, earlier in the year, I did uh, something at the S1 Farewell, mm-hmm. um, and then a similar thing at uh, a Wi-Fi show earlier mm-hmm. before that. Um, and I think potentially I have, like, oh, I do have uh, something coming up I guess we can get to at that section. Yeah. Um, but yeah, recent performances have been, um, I feel like now I'm about to turn a corner, so it's kind of like hard to think about that mindset again. Um, yeah. But um, I've been thinking about, um, what have I been thinking about? Um, yeah, so they've been like, they've been like more like showing videos as if I was like a video DJ. Huh. Um Okay. But I call them like visual poems, so they're these like maybe a minute to like thirty second short videos. Mm-hmm. They're like visual poems. Um, so instead of just like standing up in front of people and reciting several poems, I'll like um, just play a bunch of videos and maybe introduce them in between as a way to like give me a reason to be in front of people versus just having them <laughs> all play at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, they they've been collage 
um, digital collages of images. I've uh, resourced, appropriated a lot of like paintings um, that will be like photoshopped and digitally edited. Um, and then they become like backgrounds or they become like frames. Um, they're like repeated and mirrored. Um, I'll use like, you know, movie clips. Um, there's this one that I guess I'm thinking of, maybe it's even if I explain one, um, where it's like this painting um, of like Saladin entering Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I distorted that and like, you know, put like a lot of magenta and purple in it and then like mirrored it. And then that served as like a frame for um, different uh, clips from, you know, that movie City of God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the part where uh, Shaggy and his girlfriend are trying to like run away from town and like trying to like, you know, make it across the border, that whole like bank robber scenario of like, just like, let me get across the border and then I can live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. But then um, like he dies and they kill him um, and he doesn't get out. Um so like clips like that, um, with yeah, like some like fuchsia and magenta, yeah, and maybe some hip hop instrumental beat, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if that explained anything. I feel like I just rambled for like a couple minutes. But. I I have some no, like I have some follow up questions. So like the things that you're appropriating these the hip hop beats, these very specific movies that like I attach to certain memories um, that are, that have their own place in the culture, quote unquote. Like, um, how is this part of like this idea of building like a black mythos within your work? Um, yeah, like, so I think um, when it comes to um, resourcing materials, I think like everything already exists, right? The whole, like, there's nothing new. So it's all about just like, reassembling it in a different order mm-hmm. or like making different connections um i love the idea of making like connections from like two disparate things yeah um that can kind of like it can be like really funny or it can be like really tragic depending on how you do it um finding similarities between two things that like maybe weren't meant to be aligned i um, i feel like there's like i'm fascinated and i get a real joy out of doing that um so this idea that like of this, like, black mythos, of this, like, pantheon of, like, pre-Earth, um, outer entities, deities that, like, we were, like, part of, are currently, is, like, it's all there, everything's already there, and it's just, like, um, finding, like, my version of it, or, like, my truth, um, through, yeah, using, like, um, as, like, a visual person, as somebody that is, like, watches a lot of, like, hip-hop videos or um you know consumes a lot of like visual media i was like oh yeah i want to like reflect this with some like mythicals um but then there's like also this like inherent tragedy that i think like an acceptance of tragedy and acceptance of tragedy as like a step of like metamorphosis and transformations Mm -hmm. um this like then also like being um a student of history like a like an awareness of the present, but then also this like understanding of repetition, um, and maybe the tragedy of repetition. Um, and maybe that's where like my pessimism or like nihilism comes in. Is that like, oh yeah, it's like all happened before, will happen again, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. Well, do you consider it pessimism or do you consider it nihilism? Um, I like nihilism a little bit better because, like, obviously it's, like, more dangerous and cool and, like, punky and, like, broken glass. Yeah. Um. And, and, like, you have, like, a pretty, um, like, like extensive background with punk, punk culture, right? Back, like, in Texas. Yeah, I mean, or so they tell me. So, okay. You know, I don't want to be telling tales out of school as a kid. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think I think it's like I think it's the idea, yeah, like of uh, of collaging, collaging, um, yeah, like a a world out of existing worlds. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about like your color palette choices? Because you have a very um specific color palette it like i recognize it almost immediately now yeah um yeah i think like um a lot of it is like thinking about um blackness and all these like ways obviously i don't think i'm the first person to think about these things and like i think because of other people have thought about these things is like where i'm pulling it from that like the idea that like blue is is black mm-hmm. the idea that like purple is black mm-hmm. um like, things like that, that's, like, other people have already, like, come to that before me. So I think it's just, like, building on that or, like, taking that as, like, okay, this is, like, part of a, a visual language um, of, like, purples and then, like, um, and blues or um, cool colors or something. Obviously, like, black, I see, I, when I think about black, I think about, like, cool. Um, so cool colors. Um, but also, like, obviously, black can be, like, every other color in the spectrum. But, um yeah. Yeah, I think that's, like, where a lot of that comes from. Um, this kind of, like, also, um, like, millennial cyberpunk Afrofuturist leaning of, like, hypersaturation as well. Um, this idea of, like, growing up in decayed megacities mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of, like, TV screens all around. Yeah. Um, and, the, and, like, kind of, like, remember, like, a, a time where maybe things were real but now there's only a time where everything is via screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about that. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned like this idea of pre-earth blackness, but then you're also talking about like this post-apocalyptic existence as well. Like, are you trying to say a particular thing about time and it's uselessness, or is that just like something I'm projecting? <laughs> no, that no, that's totally that's totally like a, a valid read. Yeah, I think about um, time as this like funny thing. It's like really funny, you know. Like you see, you see like a person in a moment, and you're like, maybe you see somebody like drop something. And you're like, oh, is that person clumsy? Mm-hmm. But like all you see is like that one moment where like somebody drops something, or you see like another moment where somebody like. Um, maybe like finds a dollar on the street and you're like, oh, is that person lucky? Or like, wow, that person's shirt seems real fortunate. But it's just like a moment in time. And then like, um, yeah, thinking about like time as this like, right, like a river you can like be in or you can be outside of. Um, thinking about um, the idea of like black people existing before Earth mm-hmm. um, or outside of Earth and like, what is blackness outside of earth right like outside of like africa outside of like history mm-hmm. outside, like before everything we knew like 
there's like so many things about like right space people or um there's this line i forget like it's some it's some rap song i forget what rap song or like who sings it but it's like um like caveman thought the earth was flat i guess i could type it in the google say caveman thought the earth was flat while like black man traveled around the earth and back hmm. and it was like that's like i was like of course like we were like like we were like out here being like space fairs um charting stars well, like uh, the people living in the Caucasus Mountains were like, like slamming rocks together, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna ask you that question that, like, every black artist is sick of getting, but I don't know if we've ever talked about this, which is actually kind of awesome in itself, but like. <laughs> What are your thoughts about your work and how it's situated in Portland in front of this specific kind of audi- audience? There's a very specific kind of art audience. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I think I, I feel I feel I feel its effect on my art, my practice. Obviously, like in a number of ways about like um, like coming here to go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, had I gone somewhere else, had gone to go to school, like what kind of like art? would have been like made in that um incubator mm-hmm. and then um now being like you know a few years on afterwards i've definitely felt like i've become um a lot more um what's the word i don't want to say like reclusive but a lot more like um there's a lot more i feel like layers between me and like the way i show my art versus like coming out of the gate i think it was a lot more like direct performance yeah and it became like the presentation of a video and then it became like presenting a video presenting a video and then it's yeah. like how do i yeah like how do i remove myself from this thing um but then it's also like what is what is like what is the art about what is it um doing who's it for if i'm over here like having to be so so further away from like the edge of the stage or whatever Hmm. Um, but I think about that all the time because I'm, I feel like, um, trying to be aware of, like, places and sensitive to, like, um, environments and atmospheres. Yeah. So I am curious about, like, um, if I move to another place, what kind of, like, life I would take on. Yeah. I mean, I'm, and this is probably just the, like, well, part of it is the bitterness, but, like, I'm of the mind as as a black artist, I am not required to insert my body or my person into any of my work. Like, I feel that any black artist that chooses to do that is is offering up an extreme generosity in the face of how our bodies have been received in general. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I do definitely. notice a difference in your work. Like, in the beginning, when we first started um, at grad school together, like, you were doing like direct performance works. Um, and now you're right. It's, it's like two or three times removed with like different kinds of filters in between that. Do you miss the direct performance work? Um, I miss like not, I feel like there's a part of me where I feel like, um, not all the time, but I think in some times where I like am now suspicious of my audience or, um, yeah, like suspicious, I think is a good word. Um, 
where I feel like I used to, there was a moment where before I was suspicious that I kind of miss that sometimes. Oh. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I'm not suspicious because of nothing. It's not like a paranoid suspicion. I feel like it's a very genuine and well-earned suspiciousness. Yeah. Um, so I don't <laughs> think I can like go back, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I do feel like my, like, I do feel like I, I, can't, I can't, I feel like I'm putting the card in front of the horse, but I feel like I'm about to like turn a corner with some things. So um, oh. I'm curious to see how it'll like be actualized um, in this next step, but we'll see. All right, who's being cryptic now? <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. Those are always fun moments. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. All right. So I guess we can now talk about... The art we're getting into these days, I'm going to preface this by saying I have no free time anymore. I have no life. I don't get to be a human being and do, like, human being things. So uh, there has not been a whole lot of art at the moment, including my own, which makes me very, very sad. So <laughs> what kind of art are you getting into, Max? Um, yeah, I guess, like, to, to tack on to what I was just saying, I think one of the things... I've started pushing myself with is um, writing these like poems in Spanish. Mm. Um, I've always had like a you know a back and forth relationship with uh, Spanish. Mm -hmm. um, being that like I don't speak Spanish, but um, you know my dad speaks Spanish. Mm -hmm. um, half of my family speaks Spanish. Um, people assume I speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. um, um, so I feel like yeah, I've always felt like a and un and unness around the language. So I started like writing these like poems using Spanish but not necessarily like focusing on the meaning of every word but trying to just like let it flow and um like continually writing um and maybe like clunky or like um foreign but um I kinda like really dig them and I think they're gonna open up some other path. Yeah that sounds really exciting. Yeah, um, we'll see. Do you feel like you'll ever get to a point where you can't, well, you'll, where you'll feel more comfortable or resolved around, like, the idea of the Spanish language? Or do you feel like that's just going to be one of those lifelong things? No, I feel like, um, yeah, I definitely feel like I, I hope it's resolved. I feel like it'll only take me being in a place where they speak Spanish for X amount of months to like get it. Um, so I feel like it's, it's, just, it's like, it's just there. It's just beyond the reach, but I think, um, it should, it, it'll, it'll be something that I should accomplish or can accomplish or mm -hmm. will. Um, but I think obviously it'll be a lifelong thing of like trying to get better and learn it as close to English as I can, but yeah. um, I want to learn other languages too, but I feel like I'd be betraying myself to learn something other than Spanish first. That makes so. sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see like where the Spanish poems go. Thank you. Yeah. Is this something that you will, will be like a public part of your practice or is this like something that's going to stay internal for the most part? Um, for my, for the next thing that I'll be showing, it should be included. Okay. But yeah. Cool. Well, that sounds amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like we have, like, done some, like, good substantive talking. Um, and now it's time for us to get into the mess. <laughs> um, because we all deserve to get a little messy, and there has been a lot to pick from in the past few weeks. Um, yes. So first up, I got a Cynthia Arrivo update. For our listeners, they may remember that this is the British woman who has been given the plum role of Harriet Tubman, who has also spoken mad shit about American blacks. Um, most recently, with the chicken sandwich wars, Janelle Monet, and this hurts my heart, <laughs> felt the need to tweet the following. Perhaps we put voting booths at every Popeye's location. While we wait on that sandwich, you can register and vote. And then there's like a little like stroking the chin emoji. And she tagged Popeye's and then put holla. <laughs> um, and then, without missing a beat, I'm sure not more than 10 seconds went by after this was tweeted out. Here comes Cynthia Arrivo, who responds to this obviously whack-ass tweet. <laughs> this is not a bad idea. A place where folks don't get harassed is a public inclusive space, inclusive place, makes makes for ease. Um, so I'm going to stop both of these, these people who are just loud and wrong. Um, as someone who is from Georgia, who has spent most of my adult voting life in Georgia, there are plenty of fucking black folks who are voting already. There are black folks who stand in line for fucking hours in the rain voting. I know because I have been one of those people. So this whole respectability bullshit implying that black people don't vote in the middle of basically insulting black joy for, for no damn reason is unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. And of course, Janelle Monet walked it back, which is why I still love her. <laughs> Cynthia Arrivo did no such thing. It's like she wants no one to go see her goddamn movie. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Max? Um. Yeah. No, Cynthia Arrivo. I think yes. Yeah, still, it still just keeps hacking it up. Um. Yeah, I think it's. It obviously is crazy to think that. Um. Oh, I can entice black people to vote with fried chicken. Um, you know, um, I guess there, there was, I didn't see the Janelle Monae walking it back. So I guess that's good that she did do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cynthia Revo, I feel like I'm from the moment I was introduced to her and, um, <laughs> her tweets, I had, there was no, um, hope of, um, any sensibility. I just, I don't know why these people want to critique American black folks so bad. It's like they can't wait. They can't wait. I think, like, that's what I wonder, like, is, like, because, right, it's, like, the, how, like, how to imitate, like, um, 
the things that like uh, American black people do um, is that like, okay, American black people raz each other. Uh, like I'm a British person. I'm going to like, if I'm imitating American blackness, do I imitate American blackness to the point of razzing <laughs> American blackness? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like truth be told, I'm not terribly fond of the way Trevor Noah mimics American blackness. I got huge problems with that. So like, yeah, it's just like <sighs> this lack of sensitivity around the particulars of American slavery and the long-standing and still in effect, um, like product of that is just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, I think Trevor Noah is a very interesting point. Um, I was actually watching uh, a clip of his earlier today. Oh. Um, where he was like, you know, I guess it was an airport scene, so he was like getting through the airport. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think it's so funny, like how he's received, like what his audience is made of, um, compared to like yeah, like American black comic. Um, then um, this kind of this is related to. I was reading. Uh, I started reading the Ashada Sakur uh, autobiography. Oh, um, okay. So I was like reading, like it's still like in the first chapter, which is talking about like how her mom got them all to go to. Um, I think it was like a zoo that like only white people could go to, but her mom just like went up to the front and was like speaking Spanish and just acting like they weren't American, uh-huh. and then was eventually let in. And this, like, being this, like, you know, moment in, like, Asada's life where she was like, oh, shit, like, obviously, like, American black people are, like, the lowest on the totem pole. Like, black people that aren't American black people from another country are going to be respected better in America than American black people. Interesting. That sounds like I need to read that. I would like to, yeah, I would like, I've never read Asada Shakur's, like, biography, so. I mean, how is it so far? Um, it's good. I mean, I I feel like I was like I I haven't read uh, a biography or autobiography in a minute. Is it is it an autobiography? Or yeah, it's okay. an autobiography. Is I it? think maybe she has somebody else writing her, but I don't think so. I like I have to look at the details again, but I think definitely at least mostly her, if not all her. Okay. Um, there's an Angela Davis forward, and um, some other guy did a forward too. Oh. Um, but it's good. I mean, I I, I enjoy biographies. I feel like they're um. They're like a pretty good read for me, but um, yeah, it's cool. cool. Um, there's another what other part that I think? Oh yeah, she's talking about. Um, there's this one part where she's like, uh, right, this is like right after the whole um, New Jersey Turnpike thing. She see she's like in the hospital, like getting like brutalized by like all these white cops that are just like coming into the hospital oh. hospital room and like gouging her eyes with like chili pepper in there. Oh my god! She was talking about it, like they were like stick her fingers into her eyes with like yeah like chili pepper and stuff like that, like insane shit like that. And then um, there is this like this I guess this like hotel this like black uh, security guard from the hotel like, was able to sneak into the room for, like, one minute. She's, like, going in and out of consciousness all the time. And then that first sees the security guard and thinks he's, like, a cop. Or thinks uh, he's, like, a cop that's going to, like, fuck her up or something. And then um, he, like, gives, like, the black power fist. And then, like, it's, like, a momentary, like, relief. And then, like, oh, wow. you know, see her again. But, like, you, like, she talked about, like, how that moment was, like, so vital to, like, you know, this constant, like, brutalization. Yeah. But wow, it's cool. Sounds... I haven't finished it, but it's, it's a cool book. Mm-hmm. Um, in similar news, I did see two thirds of 
all eyes on me. Oh, how was that? <laughs> um, the part I saw was all right. I remember hearing that like everybody hated it, and like Jada Pinkett Smith hated it, and mm-hmm. um, and um, but the guy that played uh, Biggie and Notorious is the same guy that played Biggie and All Eyes on Me. Yeah, yeah, I heard about I was that. Like, does that mean there's like an All Eyes on Me Notorious universe? <laughs> like, is this the start of like a a bunch of movies? <laughs> no, but. <laughs> Well, it would be nice is if in any of these universes someone did a real ass solid story about Lil Kim because that's the movie I want to see. Oh, that one's gonna be sick. That one's gonna be sick when it comes out. I hope when it comes it, out. But... I need somebody to write it. That'd be nice. Yeah. Shit, maybe you should write it. <laughs> oh, maybe you should start as a Little Kim graphic novel. <laughs> maybe even Little Kim, Little Kim minizine, the graphic novel. I mean, there's definitely a Lil' Kim mini-zine happening in this series. Like, it has to happen. So, But, like, I remember watching the Biggie movie, and I was not happy with the treatment that Lil' Kim got in that. Yeah, she was in, like, what, like, just in the beginning? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Very frustrating, but, yeah. But, I mean, speaking of Biggie and... Lil' Kim and New York rappers. I think it's time to talk about Sean Carter. I've been missing my sleep. I sell kilos of coke. I'm guessing I can sell CDs. I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. Let me handle my business, damn. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's a complicated um, timeline. So I'm going to try and plow through this to the best of my ability. Max, jump in if I'm missing anything. Okay. <laughs> and I know that it is your it's your natural inclination to have empathy, but I need you to put that to the side, okay? And I need you to be real right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm very real. I just want to, before you jump into it, Roger Goodell. I never seen what he looks like before, uh-huh. but the the CEO or whatever the chairman of the NFL, the commissioner, he looks just like Robin Williams. Really? I think so, or in this one picture at least. Hold on, let me Google this. He's younger than I thought he was. Yeah, he's like fit. He looks like he works out or whatever. Oh, wow. Okay, that is not at all who I pictured in my head. He looks like a much waspier version of Robin Williams. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, so essentially, um, some rumors came out a few months ago that Jay-Z was possibly in talks with the NFL. And of course... That elicited whispers, like, what the hell's going on? Why would Jay-Z be in talks with the NFL? Soon after, it later broke that Jay-Z had um, made this kind of, made a deal with the NFL. Um, The details were very vague. But, of course, people were like, what the fuck is going on? 
and Jay-Z responded by saying that he had had a conversation with Colin Kaepernick and it was cool. Like he implied that Kaepernick had given his blessing to yeah. which Colin Kaepernick's uh, girlfriend, Nessa, tweeted out, no, the fuck he did not. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. And then Colin Kaepernick, being Colin Kaepernick, tweeted out like some passage about capitalism and its effects, which was definitely a subtweet. Like everybody knew who it was for. Um, so more details came out about this deal. Jamel Hill wrote an article um, basically saying, I don't fully understand this. I'm willing to wait and see, but this looks real shady right now. Um, and then details came out that there was some sort of like merch music deal happening with Jay-Z and the NFL. Um, and then after that, uh, Jay-Z had said some comments about how we were past kneeling and now it's time for, for action or actionable something or other. Actionable items. Actionable items. But did not list said actionable items. He just said actionable items. Um, and then apparently was selling shirts. Well, no. He wore a Kaepernick shirt on some TV. Like, like prior, prior to all this, he had, he had like, I think on SNL, maybe the last time he was there, he had worn a okay. Kaepernick jersey. Yeah. And was selling shirts that said something like stay woke or some bullshit. I don't know. Um, it was all a hot mess. Most recently, it came out that the two charities that Jay-Z and the NFL were partnering with, one of them is called the Crushers something? Club. The Crushers Club. And part of what they do, besides having a past um, in, that is connected to support of Trump, um, part of what they do is they convince young black men to cut off their locks in order to be successful. Right. So that's where we're at. In and addition to all lives matter tweets. Yes. Now I will preface this, preface this by saying at no point in my adult life, have I ever looked to any celebrity to shape um, or contribute to my political ideology, nor do I really expect them to make any goddamn sense. They're there to be celebrities. That's what they're set up as. What I have issue with is that Jay-Z seems to be literally capitalizing on a certain kind of cachet with activism and then doing the exact fucking opposite. Max, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think I think this is, um, yeah, I think this is like messed up. I think this is gross. I think the idea of this like white lady smiling and cutting off these dreads is a very like gross image, and it's like not just in my head. There's like natural picture of this like a white lady <laughs> cutting yeah. off this kid's dreads. Um, yeah, and this idea that like you're like you're gonna like brainwash people. You're in brainwashing like young black boys, these young black men into like thinking that like, oh, how I get further to success is by cutting off my dreadlocks. 
which is like obviously some of these dreadlocks have been taking like years to grow. Yeah. And the fact that you were even associating the idea of like dreadlocks with like out some type of like um, not having dreadlocks as like being more successful or like being more on the path to success or like obviously there's so much like in that that's like ridiculous about like what is success who is this like white lady to deem successful like obviously it's also like success in this like racist american system um this idea of like dreadlocks being like this like really beautiful um symbol and icon of like blackness being this thing that you need to give to um advance in the world and advance in this like white world where um yeah it was pointed out that jay-z has dreads he's out here trying to grow his dreads out yep um He's still in the process. He's still trying to get them going. In four or five years at the Crusher Club, going to come to him and ask him to cut his dreads off, saying, hey, Jay-Z, if you really want to make something of yourself, you need to cut your dreadlocks off. Yeah, it's it's mind-boggling. And, like, we all know that Jay-Z is a pretty calculated um, businessman. He has, he has plenty of acumen. Um so the way I see it, there are only two things that happened here. Either he delegated all of this shit to someone else who fell asleep at the wheel, or he knew exactly what the fuck was going on, didn't care, and hoped no one would catch it. See, I like to, I like to see that, like, he's better than that. Like, I like to see that he wouldn't, like, I, I would like to believe that deep down in his heart, he wouldn't support a program where it's, like, white women. tweeting out all lives matter or like cutting dreadlocks off like i would i would love to believe that but i don't know at the end of the day if he was like you know how the business meeting went if they're like crusher club somebody you could support if he didn't even know about crusher club or if somebody else picked crusher crusher club for him or what but still he still saw he still saw an opportunity in the nfl like i think that's very clear and then he like went for it he'd be like the the nfl is like trying to get black audience I, I have a black audience, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was like, I think that's, that's still the, the clear picture. Yeah. Which is, I mean, like, yeah, from a business point of view, it's like, okay, this guy's trying to achieve, obviously he's going to have to, like, share space with evil men, but at what point, what point is the limit? You know, what at what point? Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm just very, very tired, to be honest. <laughs> Like, there's a whole, like, faction of folks who are saying stupid shit like, you know, he's playing chess, not checkers. Like, he's in it for the long game. To which I say, do you know how to play chess? Like... (laughs) Yeah, or checkers. Or checkers. Checkers can go go on for a long time. That's true. Chess can be a short game, too. Yeah. I just, I'm tired, and anyone with a lick of sense knows that black capitalism is not the way. Any form of capitalism is not going to be the thing that saves us. Capitalism is built on the idea that black folks are on the bottom. Yeah. And that's like the crazy, that's another crazy thing, like thinking that like, oh, if I work with the NFL, then they're going to become... Uh, less of this like racist uh, oppressive institution mm-hmm. it's like that's not gonna that's not gonna change they're just gonna like have a better uh, patina as you said earlier right a better facade mm-hmm. um, about like not looking that way or like yeah convincing other people that it's not about that thing when it's like thank god people are out here like doing research and finding out 
what these like organizations are really about and like finding out that there's like crazy ass white ladies out here cutting dreads off and getting money from Jay-Z to do it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There is a part of me that like, as like bitter and jaded and seasoned as I am, there's a part of me that hurts that like is really hurt that Jay-Z is a part of this, you know, not that I should expect better. I mean, but still, you know, yeah, no, I, I think so too. Yeah, I feel like we're like, yeah, somebody put on a Jay Z mask and was like running around, um, making all these proclamations. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess we'll see um, how it all plays out. But pretty much, we'll see what the next Jay Z album is like. <laughs> I think he's done, right? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's retired. Is he retired? I mean, have you seen him perform with his wife? Like, she's running laps around him. He gets winded after, like, a verse. (laughs) Yeah, well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wonder what Jay-Z's sign is. I know Beyonce's a Virgo, which makes complete sense. I didn't know that. Okay. She's like, you know, perfectionist attention in detail. <laughs> um, was that one? Was that one? There's like that one movie. I guess it's maybe the one that's on Netflix mm-hmm. where um, she's like going after like individual people. Like maybe somebody's like playing the the French horn wrong or something, and like we need to get rid of that guy or something. I don't know. Are you talking about Homecoming? <laughs> maybe is that the one where they do the behind the scenes? Yeah. For that one. Okay, then yeah, maybe not. Yeah, that, that was the one where she's like, I gave y'all notes, and until you apply the notes that I already gave you, I don't see the point in us continuing to practice. <laughs> yeah. And she, like and she was like, it's my anniversary, so I need to leave now, but y'all need to think about what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then, like, Jay and, like, Blue were there to, like, pick her up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jay was just sitting there like, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> like, yeah, it seems like that's what he does. It seems like he just chills a lot now. Yeah. But, you know, I, it's probably like, it's probably like, or something. Wait, what? <laughs> wait, what did you say? I said he's probably under like, three-hour surveillance or something. Oh. <laughs> Maybe, but he's also like, I think he is in full-on like, retirement mode like he's in that like quote-unquote self-actualization phase of his life where he's like tr- just chilling and looking back at all the things and retrospective yeah, like reading the secret <laughs> i would not be surprised, I would not be surprised. <laughs> that's where the nfl idea came from <laughs> <laughs> all right well i mean i'm sure more jc things will happen yeah. This ain't over. I heard some team was talking about um, bringing Kaepernick on. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Like, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know about like NFL and sports that like full well. But from what I've heard from people, he wasn't like that amazing of a quarterback. He was like a second string quarterback. Okay. Um, I don't know, but um, you I know still think I don't like know. he would. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like he would bring people in, but I could also see how he would, like, um, negate maybe, like, a large, wide audience or something. That's true. 
White people uh, were so fucking upset about kneeling. They still yeah. are. Like, really? You're upset because a man kneeled to protest the murder of black people. You know white people, they get mad about stuff. They just stay mad. They do. They're that cranky guy for long. <laughs> <laughs> like, you heard about that whole ass um, episode of Blackish that was scrapped because they just mentioned Kaepernick. Right? No. no yep. I didn't hear about that. Yep. Never aired. Was, they just took it right out. Episode? Huh? Was this a recent episode? No, it was a couple of years ago. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Mhm. I feel like they should have. They could have done that episode. Well, you know, ABC. No comment. I feel like they brought up other other black things before. I'm trying to remember specifically, but I feel like there's moments. Where they well, yeah. Black episodes. They but their line in the sand was mentioning Kaepernick. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. ABC Disney. Mhm. Yepers. Yepers. So. All right, let's talk about something happy. Okay. The new Missy Elliott album. Have you listened to it? I've I've only listened to that music video. I haven't listened to the rest of the album yet. I show you how I do it. Do it. Show you how it's done. Don't look for another Missy, cause there be no another one. Watch me. Do it back. 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 The rest of the album, it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I love it's it a lot. Cool. It's 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 a it's an EP. There are only like five tracks, but it's amazing. Oh, okay, yeah. so it's an EP. Okay. Yeah. What'd you think of the throwback video? Um, I loved it. I thought it was all the classic Missy Elliott things. Mm-hmm. Um, it just like I feel like only with time are we seeing like as time goes on, do we see how visionary uh, Missy Elliott is was um, currently still being. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember like being a little kid and like watching some Missy Elliott videos and being like, "Is this? Is this like? Oh, is this crazy?" But now I'm just like craving that kind of stuff. Be like, I want to see some crazy shit. Yeah. Um, like the part where they all become bald. Like that's still funny. Like Missy Elliott still has like humor. And, yeah. Like, it's still like having fun with it. Where I feel like there's so much seriousness. Um, but it's still like I still like love the the theatrics of Missy Elliott. Yeah. Um, like it was it was the the theatrics. It was like the beauty and the colors, but it was also like the fun, right, and the imagination. Yeah. And I, it does feel like we've lost a little bit of that. Yeah. And then, yeah, it bring, I mean, I, I threw up a, some YouTube comments that bring me to that one where like, somebody said, one woman that doesn't have to beef to promote music, love you, Missy. Yeah. Um, yeah, Missy Elliott is, I don't feel like, uh, starts fights with people. No. Um, Everybody loves Missy like, Elliott. Yeah. 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 I don't feel like Missy Elliott thinks she's in competition with people. Um, I'm trying to think of other people that are even similar to Missy Elliott, like, visually, auditorially, mm. um, currently. Um, yeah, I'm wondering. I don't think there is anyone like Missy. Yeah. I don't think there ever will be. Yeah. Um, the Queen is back, people. Um, <laughs> Missy looks like everyone's cool auntie. 
that brings the most food food to the cookout and never gets married or has kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was really, yeah, it's great to see her come back. Do you think she's back back or you think it's just like a pop in? Um, I feel like she's probably back. I hope so. Um, we need her. You said, yeah, music video, EP. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe a tour's come up. I mean, I kind of feel like she's also kind of in that retrospective phase of her life. And honestly, like, there's a part of me that whenever black people get to that point where they don't have to work no more, I feel bad, like, asking them to work some more, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, no. Were you the one that said that, she, like, the reason she went away is because she, she got sick? I think so. You told me that I was, and now I feel like, did I say that? Because I think I remember hearing that. So uh-huh. I feel like I should have, like, tried to find that story again. But I think that was true. Like, she had some, like, um, ailment mm-hmm. and was, like, slowly getting sicker. And then, yeah, I had to take a break. And then I guess maybe it's better now. But okay. I should find where I heard that from. Mm-hmm. Find my sources. I mean, ultimately, I just want her to be healthy and living her best life. And maybe she yeah. doesn't want to tour and be around all these crazy-ass people. Probably, I mean, I guess touring is only, like, an aspect of music. I mean... I guess you could probably be a musician and not have to tour. Yeah. It seems like touring is where a lot of people make their money. I think that that's the way um, that industry is set up. Like, they make their money on, like, a fraction of the ticket sales and, like, the selling of the merch and stuff. Yeah. Which is just kind of a symptom of the fucked up system. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're not making money on, like, streams anymore. Yeah. Who makes the stream money? Is it the services? Probably, yeah. The services and all the executives and all that. Or like Missy gets like what? Like if it's 99 cents to stream Mm -hmm. a song, does she get 10 cents? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that whole thing works. I know Taylor Swift like did some things four or five years ago that kind of made things better for artists because like she made a big stink about it. But I don't know how much better it really got. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's this other this other comment. Can we take the time to appreciate that Missy Elliott is almost fifty and still looks like she's in her twenties and thirties? Yeah. Queen. Oh, I see this other comment. This is the hip hop I miss. I'm tired of these mumble rappers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, that's a little get off my lawn, but you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it'll it'll be interesting to see like what stays through time because. I mean, I guess also it's like, I feel like a lot of people or like a lot of the things that are like fall under the umbrella of like mumble rap, like somebody that doesn't know rap will say like, oh, that's mumble rap. And I think there's a lot of stuff that like somebody would say is mumble rap. That's not actually probably not considered mumble rap. Yeah. Or like also people that just like aren't from the South be like, I understand everything that person just said, but I understand that you don't understand what that person just said. You know, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Speaking of the South, there's a there's an argument brewing on the Twitter sphere, um, because someone said something stupid about Outcast and how Dre three thousand rep- the reason why people prefer Dre three thousand is because he represents the respectable Negro, and oh. Big Boy represents the Negro from the hood. 
Oh. To which I say, um, some of these people just need to stop talking and shut the fuck up because no one who has ever listened to Outcast feels that way. That's no. the whole bullshit. Everyone who really listens to Outcast secretly knows, even if they won't say, that Big Boy is the better liter- lyricist. Like, come on. Come on. Yeah, Big, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think that's a, a weird thing to admit. I mean, like, yeah, Andre 3000 is definitely, like, respectability, I don't know, but, like, weird ability for sure. Like, if you're trying to be, like, what's, like, less stereotypically black, Andre 3000 is more that thing. Mm-hmm. But, um... I don't think that's like that has to do with like Andre 3000. It's more respectable because like, remember that? Did you ever see that Key and Peele skit? I was just thinking about it. Yes, I so love like, that. I skit. rather, I rather like have I, if like if that was a reality, I rather bring Big Boy over and like hang out with Big Boy than like somebody dressed in like all green, <laughs> looking like a Oompa right? <laughs> I mean, you heard about the latest with Dre 3000, right? No, I don't He's know. He's been I like so. people have been like I think from like in both New York and Atlanta. He was walking around with a flute, and people kept saying, I just saw Drake 3000 playing a flute, and some people posting up pictures. He was just walking around playing flute and shit, which, that's on brand. But, like, I think that just goes with your uh, black people in retirement. Yes, <laughs> it does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if, he, if he wants to walk around New York playing his flute, I guess, I guess that's fine. <laughs> I mean, let me get to the point where I can just walk around in my pajamas doing random ass weird shit and people will still think I'm awesome. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be amazing. (laughs) That's the dream, Max. That's the dream. (laughs) Yeah, here's the dream. (laughs) Um, what else? Um, oh, okay, so, um, as our listeners may not know, because I think I've only alluded to it once, we are not currently in the same room or city right now. I'm here in Portland in this hot-ass sound booth, as per usual, but Max is in Texas right now. So, Max, can you give me a quick life update on what's going on and how you're doing? Yes, I am currently in Texas. Um, had to flee in the cover of darkness um, with only what I could carry. Okay. <laughs> um, Texas is hot. It's so extra. I forgot how hot Texas could be. Um, my flight came in at 5 a.m. and it was already 87 degrees outside. Um, the TV says it's going to be the hottest September on record. Ooh, <laughs> um, I'm going to be here for most of the month um, looking for a uh, room in Portland on my return. So, you know, if you have any leads, send them my way. Um, the Mexican food here is really good. Oof, yes. Um, I just found out earlier today I, My uh, I'm staying with my parents. And um, we will be doing a road trip to El Paso, which is a 10-hour drive from Dallas um, for one of my cousin's 50th birthday parties. Oh, wow. So um, I'm going to be going to El Paso. I bet El Paso's food is amazing. Yeah, El Paso's amazing. Um, 
hopefully it's not hotter than here, but it probably will be. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it should be fun. Um, yeah, I've, I've had uh, some changes in my day-to-day life and living situation to where I am in between rooms as well as partners now. So there's that. Mm-hmm. And have you felt like being there has given you time to like reflect and rest and like gather your inner strength? Um, in some ways, um, I've been able to like swim in pools again. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom asked me to do stuff all the time. Um, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to do yard work again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm out in the heat, moving things, cutting bushes. Um, but I've had I've had a Whataburger. Um, I've had some amazing <laughs> um, tacos, amazing Mexican food. Um, so I'm so jealous. Yeah, in that sense, it's been nice. It's been nice to be in a AC again. Um, I know they don't have that that much in Portland. So. They do at the places I hang out. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Well, I guess I'm just going to the wrong places. <laughs> I guess what I'm asking is, are you ready to put on your best scarf and sunglasses and your high boots and sing No More Drama in the style of Mary J. Blige? Yes, I'm I'm going to not talk for a while so I can get my voice real gravelly and scratchy. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I can perform that feat. Great. Okay. Well, you sound good. I'm happy that you're getting some, like, respite. You deserve it, Max. Thank you, Moon. I see you have here on our on our notes sympathy for Thanos. I'm going to let you handle that. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Um, I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, recently, uh-huh. um, I've been thinking about it maybe since Infinity War. I've been thinking about turning to dust. Um, I've been thinking about what is dust, right? Mm-hmm. They say dust is 80% human skin. Um, it's turning to dust, turning to flesh. Um, I also have been thinking about, um, Thanos as this sympathetic character, um, going back to my earlier connotations of purple and blackness. So I feel like there's a part of me that's always thought about Thanos as being black. Um, and then I feel like it puts a different spin on things. Yes, you brought up genocide, but um, when I watched the end of Endgame, spoilers. Um, spoiler for Endgame, spoiler. All I see is Thanos, somebody that had a goal and had a dream <laughs> being thwarted. And then he, like, looks around, he sees his old vision turned to dust, and then he looks, and then who does he see? Captain America. Um, you know, pretty much the epitome of this, like, old, imperialistic, oppressive world, right? The Nazis' wet dream. Um, yes, we call him Captain America, but he's like, yeah, he's Captain, he's Captain Fascist in some ways. I mean, they actually um, made him fascist in the comics. Yeah, see, there you go. I mean, uh, we call, we call, you know, we, 
you call a what's the expression? Pot calling the kettle black. Um, no, uh, a spade to spade. Um, but yeah, like I feel like I saw like Captain America comes off as really um, nationalistic, imperialistic. Oh yeah. Um, opportunistic, chauvinistic, um, materialistic. Um, but so yeah, so, so seeing it in that light is like, oh, here's this like, here's this guy with like a, a vision and dream, and then here comes Captain America to stop him out. I understand that Iron Man is the one that snaps the fingers, but the last person that Thanos looks at is Iron Man. Um, I mean, it's Captain, Captain America. America. Yeah, but 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 so Max. Thinking about that, yeah. But I mean, he killed his daughter, though. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> um, so I'm not. I'm not saying this. This idea is without. <laughs> it still. It still was presented as a as the the Thanos hypothesis. Okay. I think it was introduced as. But I guess like the the thing I want to harp on is um. Thanos, like, for, for those outside of the Marvel sphere of influence or knowledge, Thanos is an eternal, so he's born to this immortal race of beings that have been around for millions of years. And every every one of them is, like, a beautiful kind of Greek god-looking character, right? The Eternals. But Thanos was born purple with a weird chin, um, bald. Um, he was born with a deviant mutate gene. So it made him a mutant amongst these beautiful eternal gods. So from the get-go, from the get-go, Thanos is cast as the adversary. Like, he, outside of his choice, he's already in opposition to the world he exists in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's this ugly purple baby in this in this world of uh, Greek god-looking characters. Mm-hmm. And then how is how are we to blame him? For the route that he takes from the world that he he inherits, but don't you feel like that's taking away his agency and his free will to say that there was no way he could have not turned out to be this like homicidal genocidal maniac because that's the world that was handed to him. I don't think he's handed. I don't think it was handed to them that way. I don't think he was like he came. He came out and then became a homicidal maniac. I think it was through a lifetime of probably heartbreak of um, people telling him, "No, Thanos, you can't. You're purple. No, Thanos, you can't. You have an ugly chin. No, Thanos, you can't. You're bald. Or no, Thanos, you're not one of us beautiful Greek god-looking Eternals." Or like people just autumn automatically like you know because right they're around for millions of years so how would be treating being treated like a villain for millions of years make you act after millions of years i mean i have not been treated that way for millions of years so i can't say (laughs) exactly (laughs) but maybe none of us are in a position to critique Thanos. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) Well, damn, Max. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, I feel I am a black woman, in case the listeners don't know. I am a dark-skinned black woman, now with natural 4C hair, um, who is short and not a size zero, and I don't have, like, immediate Eurocentric features. 
So there is a way that I have been treated my whole life from everybody. But I, it didn't make me hate people. And believe me, I could easily hate people if I based it just on how I've been treated. Hell, how I've been treated in the last seven days. I feel like in some ways you could say the same. Am I wrong? On on that um, on that thread, if somebody handed you an infinity gauntlet <laughs> and said you could make one snap and erase half of the white population, would you snap your fingers? First of all, I think it's fucked up for you to ask me that on air. <laughs> Second. My blackness will not allow me to answer that question. But I will flip the question on you. Would you snap? Um. You know there's I, no I, way I, I'm answering as, that question. As somebody that's sympath sympathetic to Thanos, I think you might know where I was like. I, so what's up in Dallas with Dallas art? <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird non sequitur, Max. I thought we were still on Thanos, but apparently we're off that. I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Max, what's up in Dallas? Um, I went to an art show recently. Okay. Um, trying to maximize my time. Okay. Um, Tell me about it. So I can't tell if this space is called Dallas Plant or just called Plant, but um, it's an art space in Dallas called Plant. Okay. Or Dallas Plant. Um, I went there. Um, obviously, like I just from the get go, if I'm comparing Dallas to Portland, far more, far more brown people at the art opening. Um, it was hot. Um, it was hot inside of the gallery. It was hot outside of the gallery. Um, the artist was uh, David Jeremiah, mm -hmm. David Jeremiah, um, and I yeah I I feel like I I was intrigued by the art. Um, I had some questions. Um, I was so curious about how um, art based around like race um, lands in Dallas compared to Portland. Um, mm -hmm. This guy like I guess I like, said. Um, I don't know if it's a disservice or a service to the performance artist to describe the performance. Um, you go into the space, it's like a square. Um, and then on the back wall are four, uh, um, like pedestals, I guess, made out of cinder blocks, each with a different item on top. Um, one has a cell phone, which is playing a video of um a person engaging in the performance the other one has um a bunch of tattoo um caps like the little caps they put the ink in for tattoos mm -hmm. but they all look like to be full of water but maybe they're full of white tattoo ink and then the one next to it is full of uh big like big pins um with like little metal attachments taped on to the top of them yeah um 
And then the last column, the last uh, podium is um, a Ku Klux Klan hood. Oh. Um, and then there's text on the wall that um, describes what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to put on the Ku Klux Klan hood. You are supposed to take the pins with the, the metal tip and then the tattoo ink um, tops. And then you're supposed to go across the room and on the other side of the room um, is like a cinder block box made out of uh, the like concrete cinder blocks mm-hmm. that form like a prison cell. And then um, there's this man, David uh, Jeremiah, who's this black guy, um, full of tattoos, just wearing shorts. He's like living, it's what appears to be like living inside of uh, the space. There's like books, um, toilet paper, some other materials in there, like a makeshift bed. So then a participant will walk in there and then um, we'll start using the materials to potentially tattoo him. Um, so I saw somebody do it live. Obviously, I saw this, I looked around and saw the pieces. Was like, well, I'm not going to put that hood on, but it was like still curious to see um, what happens. So, of course, a white lady comes in. Um, and she, <laughs> she, she's brave enough to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So she puts the hood on and does the stuff and then goes inside his like prison cell. And then it seems like he, before the performance that started, before the show um, began, had like tattooed an outline of like um, a clan hood on his rib cage. Um, so it seemed like uh, somebody would come in and then they would start tattooing that section and filling it in with white ink. Um, so at the part I saw it, there's only like a few sections filled in and like the majority of the tattoo was still empty. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the the white girl was like tattooing him for a little bit wearing Kluka clan hood. And then at some point he like rips the hood off and then like takes the stuff from her and says like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, don't do that shit and like kind of like um, berates her and then like leaves and I was so I was curious about is that the um, is that what he does to everybody is it because a white person had somebody that was not white done it would they have got the same reaction Um, so those are like some of the questions I had Um, obviously she like left and then tried to like apologize to him a bunch and he ignored and she and he ignored her um and then she was like, because he was he was holding the the hood and then like kind of like folding it. And then she was like, should you should make the that tattoo you put the hood back? And then she said it a bunch of times and he was just like ignoring her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she like kind of like went off and started like crying with some of her friends. Oof. Um, <laughs> that sounds intense, shit. Yeah, so I was like, is this is this like a really good performance piece? Or is this like intense? Like how how does this play? Um, not being in Dallas in years, um, and then I was like, "How would it play in Portland?" Um, oh God! Like, yeah, Can you like imagine? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think it was too rough for Portland. I think like people in Portland would like freak out or call uh, their like security blanket friends to come and hang out with them or something. Well, we've we've seen some hot takes of black performance art from white folks who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So, yes. <laughs> like. I can just imagine that like happening in Portland and then the person, they wouldn't run off crying. They would try to like have a conversation and explain what the artist is doing wrong. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> if you really want to make this an impactful piece. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, that sounds cool. So you're, like, going to art shows and stuff. You're, like, staying up on, on shit. I went to that one. Um, I haven't been to anything else cool yet. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm curious. Okay. To see, like, what's going on um, amongst, like, obviously, like, I know about, like, the big places. Um, but, like, yeah, like, what, like, an artist runs space is up to. It was cool to check that out. Mm-hmm. Cool, 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 cool. All right, so now I am going to introduce a segment of the show that I call Seely's Glass of Water. Oh, Mr. Talking Trash About Shug. Folks don't like nobody being too proud or too free. Uh, so a drink of Seely's glass of water goes out to the organization or the person who has done the most and the worst. Uh, this week, the glass of water goes out to BET and their fuck-ass continued exclusion of black trans women in the Black Girls Rock celebration. Um, as someone who has grown up on BET and has braved the era of uncut and countless replays of Baby Boy that are edited out of all the good shit. (laughs) I've given BET a pass for far too long. How the fuck in the year 2019 do you have a celebration for black women and not include black trans women. Black trans women are out here like like uh, breaking through ceilings and being activists and like they're the only ones fucking speaking up for the murder the murders of black trans women. And you have this award celebration that supposedly celebrates that, celebrates black women doing these amazing things. And I didn't see not Nan, like I didn't see a Janet or Laverne or Angelica or India or, well, India is non-binary. Um, but like none of these women who are out here killing it and like they're killing it in the way that's BET is supposedly into with all the respectability bullshit. That's another conversation. And none of them were there. And no one fucking said anything about this. And I was like, like, was anyone invited? And Angelica Ross, who was formerly on Pose and is now on American Horror Story 1984, which I think comes out next week, um, she had to call this shit out. She had to call out Ava DuVernay, who retweeted Black Girls Rock, and be like, sis... Um, are you aware that BET is excluding us? And I'm not thrilled with Ava DuVernay's response, even though I have loved Ava DuVernay in the past, and I have hope that she will do better um, in portraying all aspects of Black life. Um, but her response to Angelica calling her out was essentially, 
Well, I included um, a black trans woman in When They See Us, and I'm not affiliated with BET. But sis, you retweeted that shit. You retweeted that shit. That shit is still on your Twitter page. You're still supporting them. The proper response to you are supporting something that is excluding my experience is not, oh, well, I did some shit in my work, so it's cool. So, like, I heard, like, Tyler Perry inked a deal with BET, and BET is going to do, like, this streaming thing and charging $10 or shit, to which I say, first of all, I was never going to buy that shit. I'm not spending Nancoin on BET for many reasons. Um, if you're Black, you know what those reasons are. Um, but also, fuck BET. Fuck BET, and I hope you try to get this shit right in the future because I will not be supporting them if they continue like this. And the same goes for the NAACP awards, by the way. And also I'd like to point out that a lot of these celebrations co-opt the phase black girl magic. Here is what the creator of that term had to say about the BET awards on Twitter. Quote, when I said hashtag black girl magic, I said it included my black trans sisters. Hashtag they leave those women out but can't keep BGM out their mouths. Fuck them, all of them. End quote. I think she said it better than me, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> all right, so now we're going to talk about art stuff around Portland. Um, and in this segment, since Max and I are talking, Max, can you tell me what shows you're going to be in? Um, yes. Um, to talk about, yeah, um, September 29th, part of Future Prairie, um, I'll be, like, showing a little video, um, with some other artists. Um, I don't know where, um, I think there's a Facebook event. Um, but yeah, September 29th. Uh, oh, we bust on some new shit. Um, come check it out. Um, some other people, some other cool people will be there. Um, I have something else that I think is in the works, but it's still bumpy to where I don't want to like officially announce it yet. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, so like, oh, I guess I'll wait on that one. But um, so the only yeah, for the for sure one September twenty ninth. Um, the Future Prairie show. All right. What's coming up for Max? Okay. Um, are there links that we can put in the show notes about this? Um, there are links that I will add to our notes for the show notes. Thank you. Yes. Um, as for me, I am starting my convention circuit. It's a really truncated one because I have 50, 11 jobs. But this Friday, I will be speaking at the Rose City Comics Convention um, with Emily Lewis, who is currently directing Miss Anthology, along with some other cool folks. And we'll be talking about arts education and comics. Um, next month, I will be in the Olympia Zine Fest. And in November, I will be at the Short Run Festival in Seattle, Washington. And you can go to my Instagram to get the dates for all of those things. Link in the show notes.
Hell yeah, amazing shit, Melanie. Um, check out all or any of those events. Cool. Um, parting words? Oh, wait. If we're talking about artist stuff around Portland, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> how's CBA going? Um, I went to um, the back-to-school ball, Kiki Ballroom show. Um, but it was so crowded that I couldn't get close enough to the stage to see anyone. Um, so I ended up hanging out in the back drinking and chatting with people, (laughs) (laughs) which is my way. Yeah. But it was hella fun. Um, and I had planned to go to a bunch of events, but I'm literally like pulling 14 hour days at work. So it ain't happening for me right now. Yeah. Hopefully that will change, but yeah, there are a couple things I really was excited about checking out, but I just, I didn't have it. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did go to the opening of the Portland Biennial, which was fire. Oh yeah, I think I saw you there. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty great. Any standouts? Huh? Any standouts? Yes. As a matter of fact, um... I really enjoyed Sharita Towns' work, um, Sarah Seastrom, um, Ruben Garcia Marufo um, had some excellent uh, work up as well. But all around, it was just a really well done show, um, and the curators are absolutely amazing. So, and I think they got a cover story on uh, the latest Willamette Week. So, oh yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So that was cool. Um, hopefully I'll, well, I have to do like a, a Saturday class with my students. And I think what I'll do is I'll do like a little mini art walk. Um, so I'll get to see some, (laughs) some art that way. Multitasking. Yeah. All right. So I think we're done. It's time for parting words. Max. Um, all right. I'll go first. Um, parting words. Um, NTP, Nitrogen Project Podcast, you all is going to be there. Um, support us on Patreon. Um, follow us on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is salsa underscore moon. Follow me on Instagram. Um, com. Um, Future Prairies, The Veil, September 29th, um, in Northwest. Um, taking a, taking a Texas holiday, going to come back better, stronger, um, fiercer 2020. 2019, Maximiliano, um, Beyond the Thunderdome. Um, what else? Uh, shout out all of our listeners. Three episodes strong. Shout Woo-hoo! out our Patreons. Um, Drinking Gourd Fellowship. We have a show at Ori in November. Um, we're going to do another podcast this month. Um, yep. Those are my parting words. Happy summer. Um, September, get twisted. all right um max you said it all so (laughs) i'm gonna keep my parting words short and sweet dear listeners take all the time you need it is the most valuable thing you have at your disposal have a good night y'all good night